DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It is time right now to remind you that Valentine's Day is right around the corner. It's coming up February 14th. Today is the first. Jimmy Flowers can make it easy with ready-made or custom-designed flower arrangements. Order today at jimmysflowers.com or visit their stores in Bountiful, Layton, or Ogden. That's Jimmy's Flowers. Time to welcome in Andy Bailey. Joining the show once again, he covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. Andy, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Not good, Andy. Do you have a uh, tissue I could use? Because my eyes are <laughs> they're moist right now. I wish I could pass one to you uh, <laughs> self-phonically. Is that a word? It is now. I like I, it. I like it a lot. We like to make up words. My favorite yeah, made-up word of all time, Anticipointment. You anticipate hey, it, and good. then there's major disappointment. It's anticipointment. <laughs> I have a lot of anticipointments, so that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Well, sulfonically is pretty good. I'm putting it on the list. <laughs> Joe Ingles hurts his knee. It's as bad as everybody feared it was when they saw it. ACL, out for the year, out for the start of next year. Back sometime next year, and he's a free agent, so back where? Back here, back there. We can worry about that later. Right now, the trade deadline is bearing down on the Jazz, and they have more need than ever now that Joe is hurt, and they have uh, one less asset than ever now that Joe is hurt. How does this change the trade deadline for the Jazz? What are they thinking now? Well, I, you know, my initial reaction was this takes an asset off the board, too, Um but I keep hearing, include, I was listening to Zach Lowe's podcast from ESPN this morning. He thinks they're still going to float Joe Ingles in a first to teams. Um, obviously, Joe Ingles isn't going to report to whatever team would acquire him in that scenario, but he's got you know plenty of uh, money in terms of salary matching that can go out in a deal, and I think whatever team acquires him is just going to want the first-round pick anyway. Um, so I'm not sure it's necessarily completely off the table, uh, I, I think it probably makes it less likely. It sh- sure seems like it should. Um, and I, you know, I've kind of, from the beginning of the trade rumors, I think which really heated up as this losing, you know, stretch started for the Jazz, I always kind of thought it was strange um, that he was brought up so much more than Jordan Clarkson. Um, and maybe it's because Ingles has more value around the NBA. I think that could be part of it. Um, but I, I always kind of felt like if you could move either one of those guys for a defensive upgrade, it might make some sense. Um, there's, I think there's probably a little bit more of a sentimental connection with Ingles and the fan base because he's obviously been there for almost a decade, but there's no sentimental connection between him and Danny Ainge, um, at least not that I know of. So None. I wouldn't be surprised if that's still a possibility. Um, but even even with him... Let's let's say he is off the table. I think they still need to at least look around for some defensive help, and I and I do think there are some options out there with Jordan Clarkson. All right, so Clarkson versus uh, Ingles and a first round pick. Uh, do you think Clarkson brings back more value? Well, I think he probably does now. now. Okay, um, yeah, because Jordan Clarkson. You know, I was one of those guys who last year thought that Joe Ingles was, he was the sixth man of the year. Um, Jordan Clarkson's obviously the leading scorer of the bench unit, and I think that's that's generally closer to the criteria for sixth man of the year. But Ingles just did so much. He was such a steady hand. Um, 
basically running that second unit. I felt like he was a little bit more valuable. Um, but there is there's certainly value in what Jordan Clarkson does, and I think there are plenty of teams around the league who might think you know his shooting numbers are down a little bit this year, but that's a guy who can be a spark plug and can randomly get you 25 or 30 points off the bench. And the idea that I floated, um, it's probably been two or three weeks ago now in an article on Bleacher Report, was Clarkson in a first for Marcus Smart. Because um, Boston's offense at that time was, was kind of muddling, um, not great. I think they could have used a bit of a spark plug. And then <laughs> I, I felt like right after that article came out, I started hearing a lot about Joe Ingles in a first for Marcus Smart. Um, so I, I think maybe there is some fire there uh, where, where that smoke is. I don't, I don't know that for sure. Um, it is a little more complicated now with Joe Ingles gone because I think you want somebody who can run the second unit. Maybe you stagger Mike Conley into that second group a little bit more um, than Utah has to do that. But I, I think the overall aim for Utah should still be some more perimeter defense um, because especially during this losing streak, it's, it is abundantly clear that after Rudy Gobert and Royce O'Neal, there, there just isn't a lot of defense on that roster. Clarkson obviously makes sense in a basketball trade, and Joe does not. But how many teams do you think out there weren't looking at a basketball trade? They were looking at a money trade. Uh, PK brought up Portland when we were talking off the air this morning. This is a team that isn't going to be winning anytime soon. The basketball part doesn't matter to them. Cap relief, luxury tax relief, draft picks to help them rebuild. That's what matters to a team like Portland. And how many more teams are there out there like Portland? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um and, and maybe that's why Joe Ingles' name came up so much because he was on that expiring contract, and it's basically why he still may be um, an option <laughs> at the trade deadline. So I, I think you're certainly on to something there. I don't know specifically how many teams are in that group, uh, but there always seems to be at least four or five um, every year at the deadline who are thinking, let's get under the tax, let's speed up this rebuild. Um, and, and an expiring $13 million contract certainly makes sense on that front. Generally speaking, how much movement do you think is going to be at the trade deadline? Um, my answer to this question, I think every year is the default. It's going to be quiet uh, just because I, you know, I always feel like trades are less likely to materialize um, than they are to materialize. It's just hard to get a deal done. Uh, I was I was surprised by some moves last year. I think the Orlando Magic stuff kind of threw me at least the Vucevic part of it, just where he wound up. So there's always surprises out there. Um, and I think a difference with this deadline, I, I we could see a lot of moves. I don't know if there's a ton of like major needle-moving moves, if that makes sense. Yeah. So a, a name we hear a ton this year is Jeremy Grant, and I think he's a, he's a fine player, um, certainly – serviceable, but I don't think he's a fortune changer uh, necessarily. I, I think he's closer. A good context for him is what he was at the Nuggets a couple of years ago. I don't think he's going to go to some team if he is traded and still score 20 points a game um, and just really change the dynamic of, of either conference. So I think there could be some moves. I just, I don't anticipate anything that's like, you know, earth shattering. The Suns and Warriors established themselves as the best two teams in the West early this year. 
The Jazz were in that group. Obviously, a lot of people have their doubts nationally about the Jazz. We hear that, and it irritates Jazz fans to no end. Now the Jazz have lost 11-13, to and they've really slumped. Memphis has really come on, but then Memphis can't beat Philly when Embiid is out. Is there anybody who's really going to challenge the Suns and Warriors in the West? Yeah, I feel like there, there have been so many stretches this season where parity has just kind of taken over the NBA, which for me is fun because – there was that stretch with the light years warriors where everything was kind of a foregone conclusion. Um, so yeah, there's, there's been a bunch of up and downs for a bunch of different teams this season. And I think that makes the middle fun and competitive. Uh, the answer to the question is I, I do think that when everybody's healthy, uh, Phoenix and golden state have kind of established themselves as a head above. And I might even say Phoenix is, you know, half a head above the warriors. Um, the way that they've played this season has just been so impressive to me. They're they're such a complete team. Uh, it's not a superstar carrying them necessarily. I mean, they obviously have a ton of talent at the top with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, um, but there's so much interchangeability with those forwards and Bridges and Johnson and Jay Crowder. And so I I think they're they're probably my single favorite with Golden State slightly behind them, um, but. <laughs> Having said all that, I, I think there's a bunch of teams in the West where I wouldn't be shocked to see them win a series, and I think Utah is one of those. I, I keep falling back to this number, and, and I think it's fair because Gobert and Mitchell have been out for so long, but when those two are on the floor, Utah is still playing like a juggernaut, and I just looked at the numbers this morning, and they're you know unsurprisingly a juggernaut when Gobert and Mitchell play without Ingles. Um, so I think as long as those two guys are healthy, uh, Utah is going to be a tough out, uh, regardless of who they play. And I, I think the top end talent on a team like, uh, you know, we, we've seen what Luca has done in individual playoff series. That's going to be a tough out. Um, you mentioned the Grizzlies. I think they're onto something. Um, there's a bunch of teams in the West. I mean, think if Jamal Murray comes back in the next month or two, the Nuggets are suddenly going to be real tough. Um, there, there's to me, it's pretty easy to pick the top team or the top two teams in the West right now. But there's, I think there's still going to be a lot of unpredictability and chaos when the playoffs come around. It always matters here because we're always quick to say, "Oh, we got slighted." I'm not sure it matters to me that much, but nevertheless, it does to our listeners. Uh, as far as All Star selection, did they get two, one, or zero? They should get two, um, and. I, I don't blame Utah fans if they felt slighted after the all-star starters were announced. I mean, Rudy Gobert, it, it was abundantly clear to me that he should be a starter, although he's, he seems like he's never going to get the fan vote. Um, and I don't know if you guys know about the K-pop connection with Andrew Wiggins, but that was... Yeah. I, I shouldn't get frustrated about stuff like that, but I, you know, something like that happens where a Korean pop star generates yeah. who knows how many votes for somebody. And I think it's almost like the NBA is trying to make a joke out of certain things <laughs> that are, um, I mean, all-star selections are a big deal for guys legacy-wise, contract-wise, Hall of Fame cases. Um, and I think Bill Bear will still get in. I think he's probably more of a lock than Mitchell. Um although I, I do think both will get in. So, you know, he'll still get that notch on his resume. Um, but in terms of impact on the floor, especially over those few months before he was hurt, I mean, he was absolutely a, a dominant force, really, on both ends of the floor. Um, if, if I were to put his 
you know, all-star case next to Andrew Wiggins, it would just blow it out of the water. So I understand uh, the frustration of Jazz fans. They'll probably feel flattered again, even if those two guys are picked, because then we have the all-star draft, which has been fun for Utah players lately. Um, but there's there's always, I think, going to be a little bit of a small market um, bias against those guys within, you know, fan bases, players, whatever it may be. It's There's just a little bit of a disadvantage there. So who's your favorite K-pop artist? <laughs> um, I can't name a single one, but there's there's that group that always comes up on commercials and uh, oh, the boy band. My, I, I yeah, I have no idea what they're called, but my <laughs> sister in law loves them, and my little kids when those commercials come on, they say, "There's Andy's boyfriends," and Andy is my sister in law. It's confusing, same name as me, but <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, my my sixteen year old has pictures of them on notebooks for school. Yeah, that's that's the age of my sister in law too. She's very into that stuff. I need to complain to her about Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> Get right on that. Uh, a little more to the point, though. Donovan Mitchell has missed games with a concussion, and there are a lot of guards in the West that people like, and that could end up getting him left out. Isn't that that the out for the coaches to pick somebody else? I think so. I think you know, obviously Gobert is hurt too. Um, yeah, but he's but like Gobert. You said, there's <laughs> There's a lot of talent um, at those guard positions, and this is, you know, in terms of our all-star selections, this is just a bad time to be hurt. Um, and he's been out a little longer than I think a lot of people may have expected him to with that concussion. So, um, you know, you think about the fact that Booker and Chris Paul aren't starters. There's two guards right there. Um, you know, I, I think he'll probably snag one of those wild card spots at the very least. Um but like you said, there's there's a ton of individual talent uh, in the guard pool, so it's not it's not a given. I think I got to go old school K-pop and go. What's his name? Psy with the Gangnam Style, and we're going back ten years. I know now. that one. <laughs> that's, all, that's ancient Did history. Did he start all this? Is that is that who we can uh, trace it back to? Well, he was the first one to reach uh, like a billion in YouTube viewers. So he, probably well, he yeah. deserves credit. So yeah. either that or blame, whichever you prefer, huh? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you talk about things that get under your skin. And this thing really gets under my skin. We read the Buker quotes in an anonymous Eastern Conference scout. Yeah. Uh, the the Jazz or, or Mitchell is a one first round exit away from going to New York. For whatever reason, I'm not from here, but I've lived here for three decades now. And that really, really bugs me. Just, I can't explain particularly or articulate why. But when I see this, I just want to punch a wall. And I figure an Eastern Conference scout, that means somebody's son who isn't doing much. So the dad gives him a job to go watch Patriot League basketball. Uh, But doesn't, I mean, you're a Western guy. Doesn't that bug you? Yeah, it does, and there. I think what you brought up is true. Who, who? I mean, anonymous East Scout could be any number of people. Teams have a lot of scouts, and you know, it could be a New York Knicks scout for all we know, um, or a Brooklyn Nets scout for all we know. And there may not be any value to what he's saying. It could be somebody who has really no um, no input organizationally in whatever team he works for. But the fact that it's in an article with a guy who's been a national reporter for years and then it gets picked up by all the Twitter accounts like NBA Central or whatever they're called where they just, you know, blast those quotes out and all of a sudden it becomes a trending Twitter topic and, you know, everybody's got to talk about it. And so 
this this just could be the random opinion of you know Joe Scout who who has no say in terms of um, decisions and who has no influence in Donovan Mitchell's mind, and now it's a national story. Um, <laughs> so the way that these things snowball, I think, is very frustrating. Um, you know, I'm sure it's frustrating within the Jazz front office too, because then they potentially have some fires to put out. Um, and, and the other thing is, is this has happened so many times with so many small markets where the star does eventually force his way out. And we've seen it a lot recently. And so I think there's at least a, a, a fear in the back of everybody's head that that could happen with Donovan Mitchell. And, and maybe it does. Um, but as far as that specific report goes, it, you just, you just have to throw something out there and all of a sudden it turns into this big national thing that everybody's talking about. So I, I think there's a, you know, a more than likely chance that that was just blown wildly out of proportion. The timeline isn't right. I mean, we all know the dynamics and how it works, but he's got a five-year deal. The fifth year's an option. There's four years yeah. left, which means after three years, he could leverage his way out. But they're in year one. It seems like this story is off by at least two and a half years, unless this is a weird story and it isn't like how the NBA usually works. Unless, unless he wants to be Ben Simmons. And <clears throat> I just... If you're if you're an NBA player and you have watched how the Ben Simmons saga has played out, I can't imagine many players and their agents would think, yeah, let's let's take that route. Um, that certainly seems to have panned out for Ben Simmons because he, you know, he's at the beginning of an extension too. Um, I, I just think what he's doing is is exceptionally rare and is going to continue to be exceptionally rare. We may be in the era of player empowerment. But the way that you just laid it out is is true. He's under contract for a long time, um, so it's the way you put it is perfect. It's just way too early for that. Well, Andy, we'd like to talk a little more K-pop with you, but it turns out we're right up against it on on break time, so we'll have to leave that for next time. That's and our, our demographic is really into it too, so I know they're just bitterly disappointed. Okay, I'll, I'll have an essay from my sister-in-law next time. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Andy. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Andy Bailey covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. When we come back, we're giving away tickets to see the Utah Jazz and the Golden State Warriors. we got a pair of tickets to give away to their game a week from tomorrow, February 9th, here at Vivint Arena. We'll give those tickets away, and we'll get you up to date on everything you missed in this show, including Ken Pomeroy and where he thinks BYU is going to slot into the NCAA tournament. DJ and PK, we'll get to that next. Stay with us.